The Old Testament, we read about how God appointed judges over Israel to rule them. And Israel looked around and saw other nations had kings, and they wanted a king like other nations had. And so God gave them a king. And the book of Samuel talks about the first king, King Saul. And in, we read about in Samuel how the prophet Samuel appointed Saul as, as king, and he reigned for a couple of years. And something bad happened, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to, this morning's lesson is about waiting on God, is what we're going to talk about. Saul had a problem with waiting on God. Uh, king Saul, he wasn't the most righteous Israelite of the time, and he made a lot of mistakes. But he was the kind of king Israel wanted. He was a big man of war. And Israel wanted a king that could go out and fight their battles for him. And that's what Saul did. He was successful at that. He, he helped them fight a lot of battles, and they won battles. They were fighting the Philistines at the time, mostly. And uh, he helped them with that. And in 1 Samuel 13, chapter 13... Saul had reigned about two years, and they were fighting the Philistines, and the battle at this time wasn't, didn't seem to be going too well. And so the prophet Samuel uh, told Saul to go up to this city called, this place called Gilgal, which is up by um, Jericho, and he told him to wait for me seven days there, and after seven days I will come. And I will offer burnt offerings to the Lord. And then I will tell you what you ought to do for this battle. And so Saul waited for seven days and no, Saul, and, and no Samuel. And he waited and Samuel didn't show up. And people were starting to get nervous and anxious about this battle. And people started to scatter from him. And he got to thinking, you know, I bet those Philistines are gathering together right now and they're coming. And they're going to come here and they're going to take me. And I haven't done anything. I haven't made any sacrifice. And so he decided to make the sacrifice himself, which was against the law of God. And so he made this burnt sacrifice to the Lord. And when he finished, just as he was finishing this sacrifice, guess who showed up? Prophet Samuel. And Samuel comes and he smells the air and it's something burning. And he looks at Saul and he said, what have you done? And King Saul had all kinds of excuses. He said, the people around me were scattering. They were leaving. And you didn't come when you said you were going to come. And I got to thinking, you know, the Philistines, they're probably coming. They're coming. I know they're coming. And I haven't made supplication to the Lord. So I made the burnt offering myself. You know, this went against God's law, which says only the Levites, the priests, were the only ones that were made burnt offerings, sacrifices to God. And this was important because later, 
Jesus would come. And Jesus, our high priest, is the only one that can make sacrifices for us. And that was important. And he just ignored God's command. Because Saul, he wouldn't wait on God. He wouldn't wait. So he ignored God's command and offered the sacrifice himself. And so Samuel, Samuel said to him, You have done foolishly, Saul. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. He said, For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. You know, God wanted Israel to defeat defeat the Philistines. He told them to do that. And he would have delivered them if Saul would have just waited. Waited for God to deliver him. But he wouldn't wait for it. He wouldn't wait for God's plan to complete and try to go out on his own and do his own thing. And it cost him his kingdom. Now this is something important. I want you to listen to this because it's important. Did you know after this, Saul reigned as king over Israel for 38 more years. 38 more years after this, he remained king. Now, Yancey, if you had an employee that was so incompetent, you had to fire him. Wouldn't do what you told him to. And you fired him. Would you let him work for you 38 more years? That seems strange. You know what that says to me? Is that God's view of time isn't the same as our view of time. He doesn't see time like we do. But that doesn't mean that God has to change His schedule to line up with our time perceptions. We have to change ours to meet his. Now that means you have to wait seven days or 38 years. You wait for God. You wait. Because he's in control. It's his time we have to get accustomed to. Don't give up on God's command just because the reward isn't immediate. Well, after this, in 1 Samuel 14, we read how King Saul's son, Jonathan, defeats this battle of Philistines, and they win, they win with him in command. And in chapter 15, uh, God has quit listening to Saul. But God, in chapter 15, gives Saul another chance to obey him, and he gives him a task to do to take out the Amorites and he doesn't kill them all. He fails again. And after this, in verse 10 of 
Samuel 15, God tells Samuel that he regrets making him king. He wished he hadn't had made Saul king. It seems odd to me that God would have regrets. But he regretted that. In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, God sends his prophet to uh, Bethlehem. He tells Samuel to go to, go to Beth, Bethlehem because there's a man named Jesse and I have found a king for myself among his sons. And Samuel goes and he sees all of his sons. And after looking at him, he's surprised at the one God picked. Because he didn't pick the biggest, strongest one among them. He picked the little one. The youngest, the smallest one. But God tells Samuel, he says, I wasn't, I'm not looking at his outside. I'm looking at his heart. And he recognized something in David's heart. So Samuel anointed David. And David happened to be an excellent heart player. And he got a chance to go and play the harp for King Saul. Because Saul, after this, was tormented in his mind. He, was, he, he had a horrible attitude. He was, he was grumpy. He, was, he, was, he would just had a bad spirit. And he, he was, when David would play the harp for him, it calmed him down. And then came the day when you all know the story that the Philistine giant... Goliath came and he was, he was tormenting the Israelites, you know, taunting them. And none of them would fight him. But young David did. He stepped up with nothing but a stone and a sling. And God took that giant down with David's rock. Such faith he had. And after that, Saul made David a commander in his army. And David was so successful in war, in the battles, that during one battle, him and his men killed ten times as many Philistines as Saul did. And word of this spread, and people started to sing songs. And they would say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. And people would cry this out. And it became a popular phrase. And Saul kept hearing this over and over again. And he became angry. He was jealous and resentful of David. And before long, he wanted David to go away. He wanted him dead. And so he started doing things, trying to kill him. He would see David standing by the wall and he would throw spears at him. As if by accident. Oh, sorry. You know, and David would always get out of the way. And he would send him on suicide missions during the war. Missions that there's no way he could have come out of there alive. And he always did. He always came back alive. And David became friends, good friends, 
his best friend was Jonathan, Saul's son. And one day Jonathan warned David, Dad's going to kill you tonight. He's got his men ready to come and take you. And they're going to kill you. You need to run. Get out of here. Go. And so David ran. And he ran out of there and he escaped Saul's wrath. But he found, he found some priests. And he found a priest named Amalek. And he gave him some bread, some food. The priest did. And David asked if he had any weapons. And he said, I only have one. And he went and he got this, this sword all wrapped in cloth. This ephod cloth. And he brought it and he gave it to David. And so you might recognize this. It was Goliath's sword. So this is the sword of Goliath that you killed. David looked at it and he said, there's no sword like that. I'll take it. And that's the sword he carried. And people kept singing that song. David, how many people David killed. And King Saul kept getting angry and so he decided to go out, take the army and kill David. And so he took the army of Israel and went looking for him and he found out this priest who gave him food. So he went and he had the priest and all the priests that was with him killed. And he went looking for David. But David slowly started gathering a following of his own and he had, at this point, he had about 600 men following him, soldiers that would fight for him. And so he could do pretty good to take care of himself. And someone told Saul where David was, so he went out to get him, to kill him. And David and his men got trapped in between these two hills. And there was nowhere they could go. And Saul's army was pressing in on them. And they were about to take them when a messenger came saying the Philistines are attacking back home. And so Saul had to turn the army around and go back and save the city. And David was saved again. After the Philistines were, let, were dealt with, Saul went on the attack again, took the army out. He had, a, had some spies that told him kind of the area that David was at, and he went to get him. And David was now living in caves in the side of the, inside of the mountains and the hills there. And Saul and his army went out there and they were going right by these caves that David was hiding in and they didn't know he was there. And the Bible said that Saul stops at the cave that David is hiding in and to get out and take care of some business there, relieve himself. And he went into the cave and he's, he's taking care of that and as he's standing there at the, at the entrance there, David is hiding just yards away. And he could see Saul completely unprotected. And his men with him says, The Lord has delivered him into your hand. Kill him. Kill him. It's obvious what God wants you to do. 
David said, no. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed. To stretch out my hand against him. He wouldn't kill him. Instead, David snuck up behind, took out a knife, and cut off a piece of his robe. Just a corner. And snuck back and hid. Well, Saul finished up and went and got on his horse. And as Saul was leaving, David went out to the front of the cave. And he bowed down to the ground. And he shouted out, My Lord King! And Saul stopped and he turned around and looked. And he sees David standing there with a piece of cloth held up. And Saul looks down and he sees part of his robe missing. And he knows what happened. And David says, You see the Lord delivered you to me this day. And they urged me to kill you, but I would not kill the Lord's anointed. Though you seek to kill me, even though I have done no evil to you. And after these words, the Bible says, King Saul was grieved. It cut him to the heart and he repented with tears. And he took the army back home and left David alone. Unfortunately, this sorrow, this change of heart didn't last for long. And soon, Saul was after him again. He took the army and tried, and he tried to take David, but he never did. He would finally die in battle, falling on his sword, and David would become king. So why didn't David kill him when he had the chance? It just seemed obvious to everyone God had delivered him to him. Why didn't he kill him? I think it was because even though King Saul was terribly flawed as a person, he was still God's anointed king. And David's fear and respect for God was so much that he wouldn't touch God's appointed leader of Israel. And we see this repeated in the, in the Old Testament and the New. Where we're just to respect those who have authority over us. You know, Peter said, honor the people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Whether it's our king, our president, our elders in the church, the people who rule over you, God takes serious the way you deal with them. And if we fear God, we take it serious too. And David did. David knew, David knew God wanted him to be king. He knew that. But he was willing to wait for God to give it to him. Wait for it. No cheating. No shortcuts. Just wait for it. 
Now, I know it's hard. It's hard sometimes to wait. And it's easy to lose patience, especially with people that we deal with every day, with friends and family who don't always do what we're, they're supposed to, with strangers that cut you off in traffic, people cutting hat in front of you in line. And there's people that do really bad things to you and hurt you. We have to wait for God when it comes to people as well. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When someone makes you angry, you might want to speed up God's vengeance a little bit by adding your own. You can't do that. Jesus commands you to love everyone and bless those that curse you. Try to show the same grace that God showed you. Just maybe they'll repent when they see the love of Jesus. Like you did when God waited on you. Gave you more time to change. He did that for you. You can wait on other people. Second Peter said, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some clouts slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I know it can be hard to wait on things that we want in this world, things that we see, that we desire. We're such a rich nation. We can have pretty much anything we want. Just click the button. Amazon will give it to you in 24 hours or less. You know, that's the world we live in. But if that's your only goal, building your own heaven here on earth, you're going to lose it all. The pleasures of this world are here for like a moment. We have them like that and they're gone. The riches, the true riches of heaven, they're eternal. You're going to have them forever. Forever is hard to understand, but it's always. You know, Brother John works in an awesome restaurant. I hear the food there is outstanding. If you were going to John's restaurant to have this wonderful meal. How foolish would it be to on the way, get out of your car, go into a dumpster behind a place and just fill up on garbage, eat as much as you can on the way. That would be insane. Isn't it just as foolish to do that spiritually with God? Wait for it. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. 
God has so much more, so much better waiting for us. You can't even imagine. If you tried to imagine how awesome these things are God has for us, you can't imagine it, the Bible says. You couldn't imagine how awesome, how wonderful the things that he has just waiting so soon. Compared to eternity, it's like that. Wait for it. Wait for it. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you if I weren't. So I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, so that where I am, there you may be also. Are you still waiting for the Lord? Are you waiting for the Lord? Do you long for His return? Are you looking anxiously for His return to come? Are you settling down here? Don't get too comfortable here. We're not staying. Or maybe your life isn't going so great. Maybe your life is hard. Maybe you're going through some really hard times right now. Maybe you don't want to go on. Keep waiting on God. He has something awesome waiting for you. If not in this life, certainly, most certainly in the next. Perhaps, just perhaps, what you're going through right now is preparing you for what's to come. You ever think about that? Maybe you need to be going through what you're going through now to be ready for what's to come. And God is making you ready. So endure it with patience knowing he's going to take care of you. Noah waited over a hundred years for God to clean this world of all the evil. A hundred years he waited. More than that. And the water came. The water came. Don't be like Saul and give up on waiting on God. And disobey his commands because you can't wait for him. Wait for God's blessing like Noah and David did. David, David, he wasn't perfect. He, he made a lot of mistakes when he became king. Because David didn't always wait on God to give him what he wanted. And he went out and took it from another man. But he always repented, and he always came back to God. And God forgave him because he recognized his heart. If you have a repentant heart today, if you haven't been waiting on God like you should, 
if you've gone down a different path and you're not walking with the Lord like you should. He'll forgive you if you repent and confess to Him and turn around and you just start walking walking by the Lord again. And wait for Him. Don't get out ahead. Just wait for Him. And He'll take you to heaven. Like David, you can repent and turn back and God will give you peace until He comes again. That's all I have this morning. I, I hope it's been beneficial to you and has helped you. It has helped me studying this. We always offer an invitation. If, if you'd like the prayers of the church, please come forward now as we stand and sing.